It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Everyone and welcome into the Take Talk podcast. I'm Steve O'Rourke, and as always, I'm with my co-host Brett Whitefield. And today we brought on one of our favorite guests, a recurring guest, Chris Wecht. And today we're gonna kind of round up free agency because the NFL doesn't stop no matter what. Chris, how you doing today? Doing good. There's still a couple interesting moves left. Still some pieces to fall. Excited to. Yeah, talk about it, see what you guys think about some of these a little bit lower tier signings. I thought you said I wouldn't have to think. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> I didn't say that. Brett's Brett's talking meter is at an all-time low here as he makes 38 appearances a week on 14 different podcasts, 30 different radio shows, and the man's voice can be heard all around the world if you find if, just if you find the right place at the right time. Yeah, I heard he's starting his own TV channel. It's yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's been talked about Twitch, Twitch stream, which is basically a TV channel. No, the the disappointing thing about this is, you know, when my wife comes home from work, she really wants to engage me in conversation, and sometimes I'm just like, I just need five, you know. <laughs> I just need five hours. I have to push through because I can't can't do that to my wife. So, um, you know, I don't know if you, you guys ever heard of the book "Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus." Yes, it's an old school. I have not. Yes. No. Oh, okay. It's it's kind of a funny book about the differences between men and women. But one of the things the book highlights is that the the cap for words a man can speak in a day is significantly lower than a woman. Like before they really start to feel tired. <laughs> so I hit that cap usually before my, my wife and kids get home. So I got to push through, man. I got to push through. But anyways, we're here. It's great. NFL's awesome. Draft is awesome. You can find the draft guide at fantasypoints.com. It came out Monday. Um, it's doing it's doing numbers, as the kids say. It's do, or it's doing bits. Sorry. It's doing bits. And, that's a uh, thing people are saying. I don't think that's – does kids say that at all or did you just make that I, up? I hear that all the time. I don't know. I mean my – I'm probably the, in kid culture a little more than you guys. Say you're the only, <laughs> only one kid, so maybe you're right. But. Yeah. The kids say it's it's doing bits, man. It's doing bits. So anyway. All I, all I know is bussing and I hate saying it because I sound ridiculous and I so I never say it. It means either. What does bussing mean? It's like – cool i think <laughs> i think he's just saying it has no idea if it's in the right context <laughs> yeah i i've heard it a couple times and i'm like oh boy i'm only 29 but i am out of touch something happened in the last like five years that i've just completely <laughs> i feel i feel aged out now officially dude it, it happens quick have I, have I ever told you guys my clapping cheek story? <laughs> no. No, but you have to. Stories are off air, though. But actually, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell it right now. It's, I think I can keep it relatively PG. Um, I didn't know what the term clapping cheeks meant. <laughs> and I heard some people saying this phrase, right? So I'm at like jujitsu. We're, you know, training. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, 
you know, coaches talking to me like, you know, how, how'd that match go? I was like, oh, man, I, I was out there clapping cheeks, bro. Like, <laughs> just saying that over and finally somebody pulled me aside. He's like, hey, do you, do you know what clapping cheeks means? And I was like, no, just like I, I beat him up real good, right? He's like, not at all, bro. That's not <laughs> beating him up, but that's a different beating him up. <laughs> yeah, so needless to say. I was shamed as a third at the time. I was like 33, 33 year old man, just completely embarrassed about my life and the state of things. And uh, it happened. Oh, yeah. You you lose touch with what the kids are doing pretty quickly here, and all the all the hip sayings and phrases. So good thing somebody spoke up and decided to. I know say something. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. All right. Well, without further ado. Yeah. On that note, let's dive into some free agency because we still had a few notable signings, a couple notable trades. Um, Chris, I know you've got them sitting on hand. Where should we start? Uh, let's start with uh, one of the bigger ones, Adam Thielen signing in Carolina. Do you guys think this is, you know, like how much does this move the needle for Carolina's offense on a scale of like one to ten? <laughs> like a like a four i it moves like it. i'll say that yeah it does yeah. it registers on the scale of like it tips it a little bit i mean they I had think, nothing, so yeah so, it was so thielen's cooked in your guys eyes basically well i don't think he's cooked necessarily but he's not a, a dynamic playmaker at this point in his career he's not the elite separator he once was i think he still separates well but he's probably more most useful as a guy who's beating zone consistently from the slot I don't know. I oh, he's a good red zone threat as well. Yeah, what I like is that if assuming they bring a rookie quarterback in and the rookie most likely jumps in pretty early, Thielen at least offers a guy who's going to be in his spot every time. He's like you said, he can win routes. Still, he's a good red zone threat, and he can get you short, easy yards because of his ability to kind of win in the intermediate. And so I think that. He offers a good safety valve and a guy that you could probably mesh with pretty quickly as a, so as a young quarterback. They're going to still be paying him when he's 36 years old. Yeah, the contract was interesting. Yep, three three years for $25 million technically, but there's some dead money on the back end of that that basically guarantees he's being paid till at least he's 36. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. You say twenty five million? Yep. I mean, kudos to Adam Thielen for getting that done. <laughs> yeah, I mean to to garner eight million a year at his age. That's on a multi year too, right? Like, right. He he's probably a, yeah should have been a year to year guy at this point of his his career. Yeah, I yeah, think but he's. Oh. I mean, he just doesn't obviously doesn't bring a lot. I mean, I guess it's fine. The contract makes it probably not so fine. I would have liked even like a one-year deal for him. Mm -hmm. I wonder what kind of other offers he had out there if teams were looking to bring him in for a year or something and the Panthers bumping it up some multi-year was enough to get it done. I, Yeah, that's probably, that's probably fair. Especially if there's some guaranteed money in there. But he's I mean, still... He still put up consistent numbers last year with 70 receptions, 716 yards, only 1.14 yards per route run. And 
who's dropped off a cliff the last couple of years. Yeah, and so, you know, he's not, like you said, he's not going to be this elite presence, but he can get you 50 and 500 for sure. Do you think the TJ Hawkinson joining the Vikings late last year matter, like basically just kind of made it hard for him to earn targets? Or do you think that was more TJ Hawkinson? I'm not not sure I'm familiar with that name. (laughs) Have we talked about him on this podcast before? Uh, I think he's come up in passing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously when they got Hawkinson, Hawkinson started getting like 30 targets a game. So that definitely hurt Thielen a little bit. I th- like reflecting on this more. I think Thielen, his skill set, the way he wins, was never really predicated on like elite athleticism. You know, he's no, definitely he's not a technician. More of a technician, yeah. Yeah, I think Carolina probably views that skill set aging well, and he's probably a veteran presence for whoever they're bringing in as well. So that's that's actually the conclusion for me. Is like as long as they're not done, I'm probably okay with it. Like as as long as he's not the last. Like whether it's a DJ Chark who. Looks like they probably aren't going to sign him because it seems like that deal would have been done by now. Yeah. But whether it's DJ Chark or they draft somebody with a, a high pick because they still do have a second, third round pick. So, yeah. So, but at best, I mean, that receiving core is led by Thielen, uh, then, Terrace Marshall, Shy Smith slash LaVisca Chenault, and a second round rookie. Like, that's best it, case scenario for yeah. what it could be. Yeah. That's better than some teams still, though. I mean, Especially, I think a second-round rookie this year is actually a – that's not a bad spot to be. You think that's better than some teams? What team? <laughs> what teams have worse receiving? Houston? Houston's terrible. Yeah, Houston's rough. Yeah, Houston's pretty bad. I mean, Chicago's not, like, great yet. Oh, it's way better than this. I wouldn't say it's way better. Just having DJ Moore I was going to say now. DJ Moore. DJ Moore elevates it for sure, but, like, I mean, Mooney is – in my opinion, Moody's been one of the more overrated dynasty players that we've talked about. Not we, but the dynasty community. Yeah. Not a huge Mooney guy. I think he's a fine, he's an effective third receiver. That's fine. And then Claypool is kind of buns. Like, I, they still need to draft someone at nine to me. The Bears, that is. So, or, or with a second round pick. Yeah. I, I, so, yeah, they might be better than the Carolina, but, or assuming Carolina drafts a receiver, they, but I don't think it's that far off. Like New England's terrible too. Like Juju is like what? That is the difference. Carolina's not even they're where Chicago was last year, arguably. And in the point of like, you know, new coaching staff, they're tearing it down. I think their roster's way better though. I like their defense is way better. So I like the line, which Chicago does not have. Right, right. But like as far as weapons, they're at the same spot. Like they're still building out their stable of weapons i mean i can't imagine like Laviska's not i don't think he's a long-term plan there but he's gonna stick around and he's gonna get snaps this year yeah yeah they they're very gadgety for them last year yeah all right we can move on to i uh, won't make you guys wait to talk about the lions any longer <laughs> chauncey gardner johnson signs a one-year eight million dollar contract to play with the lions sounds like Chauncey and his agent misjudged the market a little bit. I heard that he was offered a multi-year deal from the Eagles and decided not to take it, thinking he could get more, and and then goes test for agency and doesn't see what he likes. And Eagles had already moved on at that point. I'm sure other teams did too and ends up signing a one-year deal. 
Yeah, I I mean, I love this obviously. Um huge position of need. They've they've tackled the secondary with Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and now Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I love the positional versatility he brings to the table too. I'm sure they'll use him as a safety in certain sets, and I'm sure they'll use him as a slot corner in certain sets. So I love love that. You're talking about one of the worst secondaries in the league last year, and they're they're replacing three starters with three new guys, and all of those starters that are getting replaced are still on the roster. So like they have instant depth. This is a, a very favorable situation now for the Lions. Yeah, so what do you think? Because we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Like, what is the best eleven guys on defense they can line up? Particularly the secondary. Uh, is it taking more linebackers off the field? Is it moving guys around based off of down and distance and situation? Yeah, they don't really play three linebackers, so they're they're two linebackers yeah. anyways. They'll even go one linebacker at times. So I think I do like as it stands right now. You know, assume let's assume Mosley's back and healthy. Sutton and Mosley on the outside, Chauncey at slot, and then oh, we're also assuming Tracy's healthy, and then Tracy yeah. and um, Kirby Joseph at the safety spots, and then in camp though you still have to make these guys earn it, right? Like if Akuda yeah. comes out of camp and is balling, yeah, play, give him one of those corner spots, or don't give it to him. He he'll earn one of those corner spots, and then you can use Chauncey more as a safety because Walker will be coming back from the torn Achilles, so. That's one reason I love this too so so much, Chris. Is is Chauncey? He kind of backs up if Mosley is unhealthy or if Walker's unhealthy at any point, he can kind of fill the gap, right? It's like if they need if Walker can't be on the field, Chauncey can be at safety. If Mosley can't be on the field, they can put a Cuda outside. Um, the other really interesting thing is all of these guys have insane versatility. Like Sutton can play inside out, uh, Akuda can play inside out, Jerry Jacobs has started a year in the slot and a year on the outside. Will Harris went from outside safety to outside corner to slot by the end of last year. And he, he probably played his best football in the slot. Chauncey Gardner Johnson could play in the box. He can play free safety. He can play in the slot. Like Tracy Walker started a full season for the Lions at slot corner. And now he's a, a, a box safety. So all of these guys have ridiculous positional versatility. And if you look at Aaron Glenn's best defensive years in new Orleans, this is what he was doing. He had, I think I gave you the stat yesterday, Chris. There was a year they had eight defensive backs play over 400 snaps each, which is like mind blowing. Like they just constantly, depending on offensive formations, they are they are rotating defensive backs for skill sets. And I, I love that. That's how you get instant improvement out of your secondary. Yeah, you hit on what I was going to say, and that's just like Chauncey Gardner Johnson is just a continuation of what. Aaron Glenn is trying to make this secondary look like. And like you said, it's just a bunch of amorphous guys that can you can drop into any position in the in the defensive backfield basically and see like solid returns on it. There's not like you don't you're not strapped, which they had in previous years where if you get an injury, now you're like trying to jockey between moving a slot guy to the outside or trying to move a safety who's primarily a safety into the slot. Like now you don't have those issues. If a guy goes down, you have three guys that can do three different positions and, you know, give you relief wherever you need it. And that's, I mean, that I think is the way the NFL is moving in general is to have a bunch of versatile guys in the defensive backfield because, you know, secondaries are becoming more and more important. And it just, yeah, I think it just like opens up your ability to, play a lot of different defenses and not lose as much when a guy goes down or a guy, you know, 
a guy starts playing poorly. So I I disagree a little bit on the it makes it easier to replace guys if a guy goes down because I kind of if you're if you have these set plans to use seven eight different guys yeah you're you're creating defined roles that you know maybe if Chauncey went down that Okudu can't fill or Tracy Walker can't fill because they do different things better I, I I'm not saying that that's necessarily true but it was something I was thinking about yesterday when trying to think about how they're going to use all these guys. I mean, in gen- we just don't see it much in the NFL. So many teams yeah. Yeah. basically play the same five guys in their secondary, a nickel corner, two outside guys, and a safety so, with some versatility usually, but it's usually not a, bit, a ton of movement. I wonder if the reason is – I mean, if you got to bring a guy in off the street or a guy new to your team in offseason, like how do you – it's got to be harder to, to figure out new roles for guys who's going to fill an old role because – somebody might just do something better than somebody else. Not to mention the communication that goes on. If, yeah. if a guy you know, there's, we already see communication issues all the time. And now you're talking <laughs> about guys having to know different positions and everything. I do think the best way to do secondary is to have five guys. You trust the most, obviously the, there is some value though, to having some positional, flexibility based on looks you're getting you know if you have a guy like a will harris who i think would really thrive as like a tight end eraser type because he's big and athletic and you want to get him on the field against certain teams that have good tight ends or play a lot of 12 personnel i I think that's perfectly fine i don't think you necessarily want to do it to the level aaron glenn was doing it in new orleans but having that ability to just really speaks to to depth on the roster we do have breaking news by the way um so the chauncey gardner johnson terms of the contract actually just came in literally as we were talking about it. We've been yeah. waiting for over a week. Um, it's actually a one year, $6.5 million deal, not an $8 million deal. And it's got avoided year. So that prorated bonus of $4 million, that guaranteed money. Yep. It's of, they voided a year in 2024. So they're spreading that out between two years. So his cap number for the Lions this year is only four and a half million dollars, which just seems unfair to the rest of the league. Is that incentives to get it up to $8 million? No, there's no incentives. The The incentive of this contract for Gardner Johnson is it's basically fully guaranteed. Okay. So gotcha. what happens, he's getting $6.5 million. Gotcha. And he'll be playing for uh, another big contract. He's going to attack his free agency so. next year. Yeah. Yep. Man, he did not, not – I well, can't no, believe that – him, to be honest, but – yeah, can't believe he's in this situation after the what seemed like he had a great year in Philly, and I'm sure he was surprised as well that there was not nearly the market that he thought there would be. It blows my mind because proof of concept is a big deal to me, right? He was in New Orleans, played mostly slot for Aaron Glenn, played a little box safety in 2021, and he was effective at that, and then goes to Philly, plays basically deep safety and was excellent so proof of concept three positions now he's been a starter at in the nfl and he's been good at all three of them i do yeah, think I he's wonder corner, but character, it's a, i wonder yeah. if character issues are the thing with it because uh, now just because we've seen multiple teams do it now if you like last year i didn't i was like i don't think there's much to that but if there's multiple teams that are worried about get, giving him long-term deals you that's when you gotta start asking the question Right. I mean, the Saints were rumored to trade him because they just didn't think they'd be able to afford him another contract. Mm-hmm. And they obviously probably... And they they obviously misjudged that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And he, uh, it seems like he's one of those guys who's endeared by 
guys he's played with, but yeah, it is the thing that like he sent the tweet about uh, the Eagles defensive coordinator. He's said some things. It's I think he just rubs people the wrong way with how vocal he is sometimes. That could be it. All right, let's move on to one of the bigger trades that happened. The Cowboys reversing time and trading for Brandon Cooks for a fifth and sixth round pick, which was exactly what they got for trading Amari Cooper this time last year. Yeah, this is like a seems bad. uh, No, I think it seems great. Yeah, I seems bad in retrospect that they could have just had Amari Cooper. I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Amari Cooper is notoriously unreliable. He's hurt in every single season he plays, especially when he was in a Cowboys Not uniform. last year. He wasn't hurt. He played the whole year last year. His uniform last year. <laughs> I mean, it's the first year he played the whole season un, unfazed. It's actually crazy. So uh, Cooks has been a super reliable guy. I, Other than the he had the concussion year in, was that 2018 with the Rams? Where he was hurt. He had yeah. Um, that was a scary year for him. But other than that, he's been a very reliable guy. I skill set wise too i mean it's kind of a win another guy can really thrive on the outside and allow cd lamb to focus most of his time in the slot yeah i mean i don't think cooks is the issue here it's just that they wasted a year that they i mean they could have went to the super bowl last year if amari cooper's on this team you think so why we talked about all season how they desperately needed another guy in that offense yeah I don't disagree that they needed a guy, but you think they would have gone to the Super Bowl? I think they would have had a shot. I mean, they kind of seemed like they didn't have a chance without another guy. I'm not saying they would have, but they certainly would have had a better shot at it. Which that I think is the essence of this deal is that like you saw that pop up with when they needed a second guy to go to in the passing game. They didn't have a guy that Dak could get the ball reliably to Noah Brown would make an appearance. Schultz would make an appearance. Like you'd have guys that would pop in for a game or two, but there was no one reliable and cooks it. Assuming he continues playing at the level he's played at for the last, you know, six, seven years, he, he raises the floor of that wide receiver too. And a guy that hopefully Dak can rely on a little bit more because he can win routes. He's not like he adds a little bit more speed to an offense that lacked speed from outside receivers. Yeah, and it does keep CD in the slot. Yeah, I love the fit now. It's just it's just like they were already kind of here. So he's a $6 million cap hit this year, so not a big deal. But that jumps to $13.5 million next year, which is pretty big for a th- what will be a 30-year-old Brandon Cooks. Um, I don't know. They could get out of that and have a $6 million dead cop. Does this feel like a one, really like a one year try to make this happen thing? Or do you guys think they're, you know, he's in their longer term plans as well? I'd uh, say he's, he's in the short, the short long term. So like two, like I'd say two, I'd say they have, they're going to keep him for two years and then reevaluate after that. It's a big cap hit next year. I don't think thirteen million is that big of a cap hit, is it? For for, I mean, I'm sure Gallup's number is going to be higher. CD is CD on a new deal yet? No, no right? Yeah, he's uh, got to yeah. be coming up. He was twenty. What year was he drafted? Twenty uh, twenty. Not really. Is it up? I he's feel like Jerry Judy class, right? So, just played he, his third year. 
Yeah, he was first round of the 2020 draft. Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, they could probably afford it. I don't know. They're always just in cap hell, <laughs> so it's hard to know. I'm interested to see where the Cowboys go in the draft. I think I like what they've done this offseason. I think that bringing in Cooks, bringing in – I mean, Gilmore's kind of dicey, but bringing in Gilmore and not – taking swings at some of the big name free agents and overpaying. I like what Dallas is doing this off season so far. I'm just interested to see what they do in the draft because I know I've seen a lot of Cowboys who Cowboys fans who are dreading the possibility of taking another running back. Oh, I think there's a good chance it happens. <laughs> oh, I mean, Mike Jerry's going to, has been so open about wanting to pound the rock this year. And Jerry's going to do what Jerry's going to do. And he loves yeah. himself a, a bell cow running back at all yes. costs. Oh, to poor Tony Pollard. Well, he's at least getting paid this year. Yes, he's, he's getting paid. Um, anything else on the Brandon cooks and Dallas fit? No, I, I like the fit. I mean, I think Dak, his arm looked pretty cooked at times last year, so I don't know that he'll be able to take advantage of Cooks' deep ability. But they're still gonna have, teams are still have to respect it, so I think it's definitely going to create more space in the middle for CD Lamb to work. So sure. I think that's a, a schematic win. Yeah, they're probably. I think they might draft a tight end in the first round. Which that yeah. I would feel I'd feel better about considering that like. I don't know. There's there's tight ends that can step in and contribute right away and be and be an athletic asset to that offense, which is like, like I said, I think their biggest deficit was in having athletes on offense. And so I think I'd feel better about going a tight end in the first round, like a Kincaid, than going like Bijan, in my opinion. Yeah, they... They double tapped tight end last year in the draft, drafting Peyton Hendershot and um, Chase Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. Who's who? No. Both showed flashes at times. Yeah, they're just not inline guys. They're move move types, and Hendershot's not. He's not even a very good athlete, and he's a move type. Which one do you think is because both? So Hendershot was definitely more of a receiving tight end in yeah. college, and Ferguson was like the screen king of tight ends in Wisconsin. Do you yeah, think which one do you think they view as what roles they fill? I think right now they fill the same role. That's the problem. That's why they need a tight end. Like right. neither of those guys are inline dudes. They're they're F type tight ends. They're gonna move around the formation. Hendershot just lacks the physical traits you look for in a receiving tight end. I know he did that in college. I just don't see him being a plus player in that role. Yeah. He's also too skinny to be an inline blocker and, a, and an effective one at that. So <laughs> Hendershot's just kind of generally lacking in skill set right now. He probably needs to develop a little bit more. Ferguson's probably a little bit more ready to go, I think. Um, but like a Michael Mayer would be a great – that would be a great spot for Mayer, a guy who gives you the inline blocking prowess. He's going to give Dak another target. Um, you know, He doesn't stop you from playing 12 personnel because you do have Ferguson in the fold. Yep. I, I think that yeah. – It sounds like they're, they're going to have to add a tight end. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the second round guys this year that we're talking about, like uh, Sam Laporta and Kuntz and Will Mallory. He's not a second round right. guy. Uh, yeah, 
Tucker Craft, exactly. Yeah, these yep. guys are also move tight ends. Yeah, Will Mallory. I'm trying to think of like the next one after the first. Will Mallory is not one. What they'd have to dig into like the Davis Allen area, maybe. Davis Allen, Luke Schoonmaker, you know that. So you're looking maybe early day three, really. Um, right. And I just not going to expect a lot of out of that guy as a rookie. So it is a, definitely a hole for them. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised they passed on this tight end market in general and free agency, which was not great. But thought they'd bring in a body for sure. Like Hooper would have been a good spot. Would have been yes. a good spot. Hooper, yeah. Hayden Hurst. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hurst. All right, another uh, not as flashy of a signing, but still a pretty big deal. Isaac Samalo's guard signs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their offensive line was not good last year, so I think this is a pretty good move for them. Three years, twenty-four million dollars. A little bit smaller than what I would have expected. For a guy, I, he's had some injury history, so maybe that is what is keeping his numbers down a little bit. But been very good when he's played. Yeah, I'm looking up the specifics of his deal right now. It is three year, twenty four mil. Well, we don't know the details yet. We don't. No one knows the details, huh? Like you said, though, it was a terrible offensive line that needed help right away. And this fills a gap there. Yeah, I mean, if there's a, if Kenny Pickett's going to have a shot to be something, they've got to give him better line protection than what he had last year. Because they've got weapons. They just have no protection, really. Yeah, Najee desperately needs this too, Najee Harris. <laughs> <laughs> he, he Najee, Najee feel like he's, feels like he's aged like seven years, and he's only been in the league two years. And he was it's, an old to begin with so and it's funny because like the way i feel like the way the fantasy community talked about him before last year and during the year it felt like he was a 29 year old running back on the back end of his career it's like well you can you might get something out of harris but like it's gonna be inconsistent it's like are we talking like this guy's what year two year three and we're talking about him like he's like he's got one foot off the cliff yeah. But that's a factor of their offensive line being atrocious and like yeah, he I don't think last year, but his rookie year he like led the league in forced missed tackles and it's because he was making guys miss all the way in the backfield over and over right. and over again. Right. Yeah. What's crazy, right now they only have two offensive tackles on the entire roster. So it's still got a long way to go. Uh, yeah, and I, a lot of people have been mocking like a corner to them. Corner. Joey Porter is always mocked to the Steelers. Yeah. Yes. Let's see how they, at this point, they don't go O-tackle o there. Right. Especially because there's point, probably going to be one that falls around there because there's not a lot of... Drick Jones would be a great a great spot. It would be a mm-hmm. great thing for them. He can play yeah. either side. would be great. All right. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. Mike Kosicki signs a one-year, $4.5 million deal in New England. New England adding tight ends, as they always do every offseason. Yeah. Does this does also it feel like... Juju Smith-Suster, so basically the same player. Yeah. it's New England and their receiving talent will always baffle me on who I mean, they like, go with and who they, who they rely on. Because, I mean, even like what you have... Gesicki and Devontae Parker, who are both like, throw it up. You're not going to get any yak from them. And then Smith-Schuster occupies the same area of the field as Gesicki. And 
it's like I just don't get what they're trying. I don't ever get what they're trying to do with their offensive weapons. And every year they have a chance to change it up, and they never do. There's still the, I mean, New England's still sitting there with the rumors of potentially bringing in Hopkins, but even, but like, there's no guarantee that goes through at all. So like right now, I mean, like you said, Brett, is New England one of the, like New England's what, 30, 31, 32 and offensive wet receiving weapons? <laughs> yeah. Well, ever, you- since, yeah, ever since Brady has left. Like we just, I just don't understand what they've done on offense. It seems like they're build, they're trying to build a, a receiving core as literally as possible. So like, <laughs> looking at all these different skill sets, and they're just like, let's acquire a guy who only does that thing. So like, think about this: they have Tyquan Thornton, who literally only is a deep threat. Yep. They have Devonte Parker, who's literally only a contested catch guy at this point. Yep. They have. Juju Smith Schuster, who literally only can play in the slot. So, yeah, they have those three roles covered, but they have them in guys that literally can't do anything else. Hunter Henry is literally just an inline tight end. He's not say, is he the most versatile receiver on the team. <laughs> <laughs> if he is, and he might be. Oh, Ramondre yeah. Stevenson is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Bring in Mike Gesicki, who is literally cannot play inline. Like, it's, I, I don't understand. It's like, it's like a 10-year-old who gets basic concepts. Like, oh, <laughs> you want a deep threat. Oh, you need a guy who can play in the slot. Oh, you need a cont- a ball winner. And so they just are collecting guys that can only do those specific jobs. They don't have anybody that has any versatility who can run. A, like Kendrick Bourne, actually, is probably their best r- route runner at this point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's like they're, they have a rule book and they have to fill in. Yeah. Fill in, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, I have this. I have, And then they sit there at the end of the season and go, why did our offense suck? Yeah. We filled in the rules. Yeah. Because you had like, all over the field. And like you said, they're all one dimensional, but they're not even elite at that right. one dimension. They're it's just like, okay at the yeah. one dimension. I mean, Gesicki, like, I had high hopes for him last year. I like, if there was ever a year where he was set up to have a good year with the field open for him and things like that, obviously Miami had quarterback stuff going on, but like last year was the year. And Gesicki, would go completely dark for games at a time. Yeah. In in an offensive system that has schemed tight ends open very well over the years. Yeah. The guy would just go dark. There's no way Gesicki is as bad as his one-year, four-and-a-half million-dollar contract makes it sound. He's a better player than that. He he was just – yeah, didn't fit in the Miami offense. uh, Was, you know – didn't really have a great supporting cast prior to McDaniels getting there. I don't really know what this, I I mean, his shot at making something of himself in new England doesn't seem super awesome right now. Watch, watch them use him in line. Oh, like, or it's like an, like a H back or something like a a full (laughs) slash, you know, just completely neuter him. Yeah, just com- yeah, like, hey, go go run H21s out of the backfield, Mike. That'd be <laughs> use, sick usage. The guy who, like, is even more of TJ Hawkinson after the catch than TJ Hawkinson is. Like, TJ Hawkinson doesn't get yak. Mike Gesicki does not get yak. <laughs> like, he's, a, he, he's in the air and he's on the ground. 
Those are the two. He does not – there's no staying on his feet when the ball has reached his hands. Yeah. There's, there's funny banter on Twitter about Gesicki all the time. You know he had that freaky vertical jump at the combine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always memes like – Mike Kosicki has the best vertical jump for a guy who's never jumped in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> like, like not even once. Um, that's funny. So, Chris, you mentioned a guy, or Steve mentioned a guy in that New England discussion, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm curious to see where he lands. I, and I, God, I hope it's not New England, but um, could that be a guy, a guy like Carolina targets maybe to, to help that squad? I don't think Take Carolina that. has the capital left to do it. Capital, it's going to cost like a fifth round pick. No, really? Then That's how what, is it? How has the deal not happened yet if it costs that little? Two things I know about Hopkins is he's very expensive. He yes, has a big, he big expensive. and he is a super weird guy. <laughs> so I think there's teams that probably just objectively don't want that in their locker room. Like he was rumored to the Lions like a couple days ago, and I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's no chance they're traded for Hopkins. Like there, there's just no chance. From what I know about Hopkins, I, he just would not would not be a culture fit. So I think that's probably similar to like Chauncey and why his market was dried up. I don't think there's necessarily character concerns with Hopkins. I just think he's a strange bird. Yeah, and I think that's going to limit his his market a little bit. But where I mean, the I whole, think, where would you like to see him? Hopkins. Yeah, that's a good question. What about like um, New Orleans? I think would be interesting to play opposite Chris Olave, and you still have Shahid there in Mike Thomas for a game or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of always forget he still exists. I legit, when you said that, I was like Mike Thomas. Who's that? <laughs> he took a big day because he wanted to play with you know, with- yeah. yeah, Mike Thomas, famous Cincinnati wide receiver. Yeah, I think he would fit well with Derek Carr though. Um, Trying to think where else. I mean, if Baltimore gave a damn about anything, they no, would go make think, a they, they wouldn't do it. So they wouldn't, but that'd be a Green place Bay. that if they're gonna keep Lamar, I'd like to see them give an effort. You yeah. have an extra second yeah. Do you have they have an extra pick, don't they? No, no they, they don't. Gave, they gave up a pick for Roquan. Yeah. Yes. But like right. I mean, that's a place where if you're gonna Give Lamar an F- a chance. Why not bring in a Hopkins? That guy, he would immediately elevate that offense in a big way. But they're never going to do that deal. I got a crazy one here. Do you know who really could use a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? Who? who? The Arizona Cardinals could. <laughs> yes, they could. They, listen they're... to this. If they trade Hopkins, their three top receivers are all going to be five ten or shorter. Rondell Moore. Rondo Moore, Hollywood Brown, and Greg Dortch. Yes. <laughs> like what? What are we doing? I thought Cliff got fired. Uh, they're in a full. They're in full tank mode. Uh, Jonathan Cannon is like already a lame duck head coach, and he just got there. Arizona, I think, has the longest odds to win their division in the NFL right now. Wow. Which is cr- I mean, and I, they probably have what a top fifteen QB. I mean, who knows when he plays because of his injury? But ACL, but. I mean, yeah, if he's healthy, he's for sure in the top half of the league. Sounds like he should be ready for for week one, although this is the time of year where every medical report is promising. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I heard someone say yesterday, Hendon Hooker might throw at his pro day, and I'm like, I mean, that would be awesome. 
<laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but that'd be awesome. Or no, it wasn't pro day. Sorry, it was OTAs. He might be ready for OTAs. He is already throwing. I have seen videos of him throwing, but he's not doing any footwork. Right, so, yeah. I, I, yeah, this is the time of year though where every medical report is promising. Oh, he'll be back. Perfect. Everything's going great. So, All right. What do you guys think of the? So we had two running back signings: Damian Harris lands in Buffalo, and Devin Singletary lands in Houston. It feels like an upgrade for Buffalo. I freaking love that. It's the first move that Buffalo's made that I like as far as grabbing someone from free agency. I think that's a, an immediate bump up from Singletary for them and a guy that can do, I think, what their offense calls for better than what Singletary could do. What do you think? Does this affect James Cook at all and his role in the offense? I, Naeem Hines is still there, I believe, too. Um, I think it probably helps Cook get on the field a little bit. Yeah, even, even Harris is an upgrade. I think he is a little more one-dimensional than Singletary. Yeah. He because Harris is a he's a bad dude running the football. Yeah, right. He's physical. He's capable of forcing missed tackles. Although he didn't do much of that last year, admittedly. <laughs> um, you know, yards after contact guy. Like he he is a very physical runner, and the amount of space he's going to get in Buffalo is attractive yeah. to me. Like you're going to give him light boxes. You're going to have linebackers in conflict, not keying the fit, you know, properly. Like Harris should shred. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have John U. Smith and Hunter Henry on his, on his team anymore. Now Dawson Knox, who's basically a receiving tight end is, is the tight end. Like you're not going to see stacked boxes against Damian Harris. Yes, exactly. So I I really do like that fit. And then because he is so one dimensional that I think this actually carves out a nice role for James Cook. And you're going to see a lot more one, two punch action there. Yeah, I think Cook now dominates third down, third down burn for the Bills. Like you've yeah. got you've got Harris to be between the tackles, ground and pound if you need him for first and second down, and then you bring Cook in third down to where you know he light box he can still run the ball, but he's a solid receiving option out of the backfield. Yeah, I yeah. do wonder Harris is going to have to show some kind of receipt, whether it's pass protection or being able to catch the ball somewhat because of how pass heavy Buffalo is. The last thing they would want is Damian Harris is in the game. We know they're not passing here. True. Uh, they they thrive on, you know, passing a lot and are going to need a running back that can do whether it's pass protection or receiving does something without having to have James Cook or Naeem Hines on the field. Yeah. Yeah, Harris is pretty good in pass row. I would say he took a step forward this year as well. Now, granted, he was never used a ton there. You're talking 30 to 50 right. reps season. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think he's pretty good in that part of the game. So that, that should help. He could probably catch better, too, than we're giving him credit for. New England is just yeah, very – I agree with that. Type the running backs. So, yeah. Um, you know, Ramondre is an excellent receiver. James White was an excellent receiver. So it's possible Harris just didn't really get the opportunity because of that. Because I remember at Alabama, he was a, he was decent receiving the ball. Yep. Goes back to New England, finding the guy that they want for a, for a role and then pounding it into the ground. <laughs> Fits the archetype. Done. Yep. They are consistent, if not anything. Yeah. All right. What about uh, Devin Singletary in Houston? Damian Pierce is there. I mean, is Singletary – nothing more than just a guy and it just kind of yeah i think this is is. the evolution of singletary becoming a you know tier two back of like a career backup from here on out where you know he'll 
bounce around the league. He he can bring you some juice in both the running game and the passing game, but you're not going to look at him as a lead back. He's more of a, you know, spell, give him, you know, 25%, 30% of the carries to not completely bury Pierce into the ground. Because, again, if Houston's offense is going to be tough this year. And so uh, Damian Pierce, is. I think they're going to run him a lot. And so I think Singletary just gives you a good second option for when you want to give Pierce a, a break and it's you don't have too much of a drop-off. Right. Yeah, only 40% of Singletary's carries last year had contact before the line of scrimmage. So that's that was 13 best in, in the league. So that part of that is the Bills had a decent offensive line, and the other part is that they just spread defense out so much all the time. There's not as many defenders in the box. That yeah. is not going to be the case in Houston, given their receiving core. But he does show juice, though, when he does get space. He had 7.3 yards per carry when he does not get backfield contact. That was 10th best in the league. So he can rip off runs, but... Where, where, where's this data coming from, Chris? That is coming from Fantasy Points data. Okay, just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that Yeah, all the all that charting we do all year. Uh, so yeah, he does have some juice. So I, I mean, it feels like a fine chase of pace back. But yeah, I, I still think Damian Pierce will be their main back. Did you say chase of pace? Or no, change of pace. <laughs> chase of pace. I think maybe we're underestimating how many touches Singletary is going to get. This is a very well-established running back. He had over 150 carries in every season he's been in the league. He's caught at least 30 passes roughly. Averages like 35 catches a year. So we're talking about a guy who's touched the ball 180 to 200 plus times in every season of his career. I I don't think they signed him to just be second fiddle. I think this is probably a timeshare for sure, which sucks because I really like Damian Pierce. But yeah, Do you think it's just too – do you think it's foresight on their part of like saying that we don't want to burn out our rookie running back who does have break tackle ability and does have – the ability to break a long run to kind of increase his longevity. Yeah, I think there, there's probably an element of that, you know? I mean, they had nothing behind him last year. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's bare bones. Yeah, Rex Burkhead and... Um, I don't <laughs> Rex remember Burkhead, who else it was. The, the guy that was going to break fantasy there for a while. Yeah. All right, well, there's a couple other signings we can just touch on quickly. Dalton Schultz signs in Houston on a one-year deal. Isaiah McKenzie lands in Indianapolis. Um, Trent Sherfield in Buffalo. And then Elijah Moore gets traded yesterday. Any any things you guys want to hit with Elijah any of those? Moore. Yeah. Yes. That's fantastic. I mean, that that's a really good move for, for Cleveland. Yeah. Like, I, I loved Moore coming out. He was a, a top 40 player for me. Uh, barely missed out on a first round grade. I mean, I I think he's a really solid player. Seems like he fell out of favor with the um, with the new staff there just because of uh, personality differences, not because of on the field performance. When he's been on the field, he's looked great. So I I think I, I love Cleveland adding him to the mix, getting a young receiver. Cooper's getting a little older. Um, you now have Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples Jones. That's a really good trio for a, a quarterback, and they don't have a ton of draft capital to throw. 
at getting better there. So yeah. I kinda like- it didn't cost them much. They just swapped second and third round picks. Basically nothing. I think Brad Spielberger, who uh, spoiler alert was on take or uh, on the clock this morning with me. He, he tweeted out that it was like with his model, it was like the equivalent of the 217th overall pick is what they gave up. Yeah. So that's, that's not yeah. much for a former all day. star rookie receiver. Yeah. And for a guy that I think that usually everybody will badmouth a guy for falling out of favor for being too vocal in the locker room. But this is a situation where I feel like everybody was on his side. Throughout hey. the entire year, every yeah. every fan that wasn't uh, like that wasn't in New York's camp, like agreed that Elijah Moore needed to be released or needed to be given a chance, needed more touches. Like he can provide juice to an offense right away. Yep. Yeah, and they signed Michael Hardman. So, and when that he was not traded prior to that being announced, when he was signed, it did seem like okay. Well, where does more fit in this offense now because if you're signing Michael Hardman you clearly don't have big plans for Elijah Moore I still would like to know where Michael Hardman fits in that offense but <laughs> apparently they think Garrett Wilson can play on the outside more than they didn't show that last year in the way that they used him at all even all of his outside reps like I've gone back and watched this thoroughly because I'm just confused by what they were doing um, even the outside reps he got they were in super reduced splits really tight to the formation where he had typically had a slot receiver that was lined up on the line of scrimmage next to him, which was taking basically eliminating that contact window for Wilson. So he's getting those free releases. So he didn't really play any true outside receiver last year. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with Mikol because Mikol, yeah, he, he's got the he juice outside, yeah, he but he's could... really done it at a high level. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'd be expecting big numbers from Mikol, but I think what you just touched on is exactly what the plan will be. I mean, Wilson will still play on the outside, but it'll be in certain sets to, to keep press coverage off him. And, you know, and Mikol will sometimes play in the slot and they'll just kind of move those two around. And Lazard will be basically all the time outside. Corey Davis is also still on the team for now. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess Mikol does, they, he does give them some flexibility. So, you know, you can do you can do some more unique sets, I guess, with him. He can play Z. You know, you can bring Lazard and Elijah Moore to the same side. Lazard can be like a big slot type and um and Wilson can be the the reduced outside receiver there, I guess. It just seems like a weird fit to me as all. Well. Yeah. What about the other slot corner signings, the McKenzie in Indianapolis and the Trent Sherfield in Buffalo? I like Sherfield and Buffalo. Sherfield, like- Sh- Sherfield, he was doing well in San Francisco. Was it like getting talk from their coaching staff? Goes to Miami, Miami. He was making headway in an in a offense that had a you know with Terry room. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of room, and he still made plays here and there. I think, like in my opinion. I think Sherfield should be looked at getting more playing time than like Deonta Hardy, who got the bigger deal from Buffalo. Yeah, they probably fits better. I I like both signings in Buffalo. I like Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. They really needed that juice component in that offense, yeah. especially someone in the slot who, you know, can run a deep over and, and crush a linebacker safety against zone. I, I think Hardy fits really well because of that. 
I also like the the rack ability of Sherfield. I think he's got some big play potential as well. I just I I like that they acknowledged they needed help there, and they are you know signing some high upside guys for relatively low cost. Like I I love that they did that. We've been critical of the way they've handled their receiving core the last year or so. So I think that's a good start. I'd still go draft a guy too. They still have Khalil Shakir, but ideally you're bringing six, seven, eight guys to camp, and you're going to let the best five, six win. You know, team, but uh, neither's Hardy, and let's let's roll with it. So, feels better than rolling in with Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder as that third best wide receiver last year. Absolutely, an upgrade. It just the the big playability from those guys, like Crowder's, and like he's like a juju. Like, yeah, he'll get you eight nine yards here and there. Great. Yeah, you can find a lot of guys do that. Same with Cole Beasley. Like they, the offense has evolved past that point. You know, I think yeah, they they point last year. So. And now um, they don't have to rely on Gabe Davis to be their only deep threat. Yeah. Yep. And even yeah. if they do, even if they do, at least they have guys that can <laughs> do other things as well. You know, the problem is like Gabe, if he, it, Gabe can't contribute really if he's not winning deep. So it's like, so then Josh has to do what run. And I think they want to eventually take carries off of his plate, which another point about that Damian Harris signing could have, goal line implications for Buffalo. Um, and I know the fantasy listeners won't want to hear that because that's what makes <laughs> Allen a cheat code, right? But right. Uh, and, I, and I'm not saying Allen will score significantly less touchdowns, but at least they have a guy who's going to be a lot more effective on the goal line than Singletary was. So, yeah. Who was the other, you asked about? Oh, Isaiah McKenzie. Where did he end up? Colts. That's right. That's a Paris Campbell retread to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yep. Yeah. But that's a different offense or different coordinator coach so i don't i don't know why they i don't know <laughs> i don't know what maybe the role so it's Steichen. what role does he play the i have no idea doesn't really fit honestly yeah <laughs> i can't um, the name's escaping me who's your fasty quez watkins yeah, yeah. i was gonna say that's quez watkins McKenzie is not that yeah i mean he's more of that than he is a, a traditional receiver sure he's a, he's a gadget player yeah, but I don't think yeah. he's got the speed to take off the top no, off the defense. He's got the burst and acceleration for sure. Yeah. And those pop passes, jet sweeps, screens, stuff, things of that nature. That's probably get some manufactured yardage for whatever rookie quarterback they have this year. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Use him in the screen game. <laughs> Although he's not that great at that either. <laughs> somewhere? Uh, the no. Giants. Oh, did he? Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, he went to the Giants last week. We're big week, on adding speed. Is, that's is really funny. Quote. So McKenzie goes to where Campbell was, and then Dable brings the new – like Campbell's the new McKenzie, basically. Yeah, I don't think McKenzie was released from the Bills before Campbell signed, but I wonder if Dable would have been more – you know, would have gone after it if if he had known that McKenzie would have been available. Yeah. All right, I think we should wrap this up. I know, Steve, you have a hard out. We're pushing an hour here. Um, before we get off, any announcements? Yeah, well, the, the prospect guide. Yeah. I think I mentioned it already, but Big I'll mention one. it again. It's, uh, it's free on fantasypoints.com. Please go check that out. A lot of hard work went into that. Um, I know Chris uh, was, I would say, extraordinary behind the scenes. He, he ended up doing a lot of the research components of it. So you'd be supporting Chris and I. If you go check that out, it's um, I think you just need a login, right? So you go to the fantasy points. Yep. Yeah. If you don't have an account, just make one. Uh, you just free. make a free account and then you can access the draft guide from there. 
in April, we'll be launching a new app in the iOS app store or Apple app store and maybe Google. I'm not sure. But uh, the, the app will just be the draft guide, actually. So you'll be able to live with that thing right on your phone, um, chopped up real nice. We have the data tool coming out sometime early June is the goal, I think, for, for public launch, public consumption. Um, yeah, big things happening at Fantasy Points. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for checking out all of our work. And we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.